You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Pioneer Bible Translators does evangelism, discipleship, and leader and church planting through Bible translation. Now, let me give you a story to kind of illustrate what I just said. When one of our translators first got to a village in West Africa, the chief called in a young leader among their religious group, among their community, and said, keep an eye on that guy. And he was actually a little apprehensive, afraid of, frankly, being defiled by this foreigner with this strange religion. But the chief asked, so he complied. And not too long after that, he actually began to really appreciate this foreigner because, well, he, he prayed a lot. He didn't have the prayer mat and all of that, but, but he prayed a lot, and Abraham respected that. He also, um, Abraham was the, the leader that the chief called in and said, keep an eye on that guy. He also noticed that the, the, the missionary wasn't cheating anyone, he wasn't stealing, he wasn't flirting with other men's wives. And he really began to respect this, this man and, and even spent a lot of time in his holy book. And it wasn't the same holy book, but he respected that. And then a time came time for him to plant his rice, and he noticed the missionary had this big barrel. So he asked the missionary, can I borrow your barrel and soak my rice? It'll, it'll germinate much better. And the missionary was like, sure, help yourself. Well, he had the first batch planted and had a second batch soaking. And one of the missionaries on the team became very convicted to pray for the rice in that barrel. And so he asked Abraham if that'd be okay. Abraham was like, you want to pray for all that rice I dumped in a barrel of water? Go ahead. Knock yourselves out. Well, months went by and everybody had long forgotten that. But all of a sudden, Abraham starts showing up. Hey, could you pray for me? I'm going into town to sell my produce. So they prayed. And a few days later, my son has got this problem. Can, can you pray for my son? And not long after that, missionaries, okay, Abraham, we'll pray. But what's up? He said, well, he said that. First batch of rice that I soaked in your barrel, as I'd hoped, it produced a really wonderful crop. But he said that second barrel that you prayed for produced six times the amount of rice. Nobody has ever seen a crop like that around here. Obviously, God was getting his attention. Now, the evangelism starts when you move into the community and you start living the Christian life there and connecting with people, but it really ratchets up many levels when they start translating the Word of God and taking it into the community and reading it to the people and saying, so what did you understand? What did you hear? Can you tell that story back to me? When the missionary did that with Abraham from the Gospel of Luke, the Lord's Prayer, he wasn't ready for what happened next. Abraham said, I want to pray like that. And the missionary said, uh... uh <laughs> You can, but to pray like that, you would have to become a follower 
of Jesus. And he said, I want to pray like that. And he said, well, yeah, you can, but you would have to give up your religion to become a follower of Jesus. And the man said, and I quote, all my life, I've wanted to pray like that. I will do anything. I will give up my religion. Abraham became the sixth or seventh Christian ever in the history of his people group, the people that speak his language. Now he's a part of the translation team, and day in and day out, he is wrestling with how to put the Word of God into the language of his people. And uh, I shared with you about the evangelism, as the Word is shared, that's our discipleship program. I guarantee you 15 years struggling with every verse in the New Testament and sometimes going then to the Old Testament is an incredible discipleship program, right? If Abraham follows in the footsteps of others that I could mention with somewhat similar stories, and I really think he's on target to do that, he will become the leading evangelist among his people group. Next people group over in his part of West Africa, similar story, the guy that led the trans, that became the leader of the translation team has now got 22 places where they're doing everything from coming together routinely to listen to the word of God to full-fledged churches that have been planted. And that's what the process looks like. So when you hear about Pioneer Bible Translators, that's who we are, that's what we do, and ironically enough, that's not what God asked me to speak to you about this morning. Um, it, it's really kind of interesting. When I began um, seeking God for what to speak about this morning, I got a very strong message from the Lord, and I wasn't supposed to speak about how we do Bible translation. I may get to come back in January and do some more of that. And I'm not going to speak about where we do Bible translation or what that looks like. What God put in my heart very clearly to speak to you about this morning is why we do Bible translation. And it's not the obvious why. That was kind of the kicker in this whole thing. It wasn't the 110 million people on our planet 2,000 years after Jesus that don't have one verse of Scripture in their heart language. It's, why, it's the why from God's perspective. Why God wants them to have His Word. Oh yeah, and why He wants you and I to be engaged in his word. Um, if you miss everything else this morning, I want this image in your mind. As I say, this book is alive. Amen. Wow, I like this church. Pastor Matt, you're doing well here, brother. Amen. This book is alive. Hey, what, what does that mean? I mean, a book being alive, you know? In Hebrews chapter 4, there's a passage about God's rest and the people of God entering into His rest. And we're not going to dig into that whole passage, but there's one verse I want to remind you of because I think you already know this verse. Many of you might have memorized this verse. And it simply says, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is alive. Well, it says living and active. Anybody ever heard that verse before? Yeah, 
Of course, if you've been in the church any time at all, we know that verse, but we don't think about a book being alive. And yet, I want us to see this morning that it is. Paul picked up on a similar theme. He wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16 and said, All Scripture is God-breathed. And in that, there was a strong, strong, strong biblical connotation that this book is alive. Where do I get that from? Well, go back to the beginning, back to Genesis. God scooped up some mud and fashioned Adam, right? Ladies, turn to your husband and say, you're just a hunk of mud. And then God... Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The difference between a hunk of mud and a living Adam was the breath of God. Job picked up on this theme. He said in 33.4, The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Brothers and sisters, what you don't know is how personal this message is uh, to me this morning. I, um, for many years, you know, I went to Bible college, prepared for the ministry, all that, and uh, for many years, my private worship, my devotional time, my quiet time, whatever you want to call it, it kind of looked like this, up and down and up and down. As Pastor Matt said, Pioneer Bible Translators has made prayer the strategy. And I came into this organization, it was unlike anything that I'd ever been a part of before. The rate of growth was phenomenal. The things that God was doing was blowing me away. And it made me sit back and really, really do some deep soul searching. Somebody had been a Christian for like 42 years uh, when that happened. And I, I began to think about my quiet time and how it was like this got kind of analytical, and I realized there were two drivers that were driving the time that I spent in the Word of God and in prayer. The first one was stress or needs or problems in life. You walk into a Christian bookstore, you see all kinds of books on biblical parenting and biblical marriage and biblical leadership, and I could go on down the list a long ways. We go to the Word of God for answers, and let me just affirm that and say there's no better place to go for those kinds of answers. But I was finding myself being driven to prayer because of needs, because of stress, because of things that I was facing in life more than anything else. And the second reason that I was going to prayer was simply, well, that's what a Christian does, right? Um, you do this, you spend time in the Word, you go to church, you go to uh, spend time praying. And so I kind of had these boxes that I was ticking because that's what a Christian does, right? And I began to realize that um, in all of that, I was being very academic. I was studying the Word of God to get answers. I was learning a ton about God. But my relationship with God wasn't growing. I wasn't growing closer to God. I, I knew a lot about God, 
and yet it was feeling like a religion. And one of the things that was a real driver for me, I was not hearing the voice of God. And that began to really trouble me. And it was all about religion and not a relationship with God. So I kind of said, enough of that. And I started coming to God's Word with just the Word of God and a prayer journal and nothing else with one goal. I wanted to somehow feel as if I was connecting with God every day. And it didn't ever happen every day. It just gotten more and more frequent. But I wanted to, to connect with God. I wanted to get to that place where I was dialed into the point that I was hearing God's voice, at least sometimes, once in a while. And there was a verse in Psalms chapter 27 and verse 8. When I read this, I was like, this is what I've been looking for. This is from the Amplified Version. The statements in parentheses here, the Amplified will, will elaborate words that we may not grasp the full meaning of. And when I read this from the psalmist, I was like, yes, this is what I'm looking for. He says to God, when you said, seek my face, which is repeated in the Psalms and throughout the Bible dozens if not hundreds of times, when you said, seek my face, in other words, in prayer, require my presence as your greatest need. I'm like, yep, that's me. My heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek on the authority of your word. You know, when I started coming to the Word of God, just, just wanting to connect with God, not to learn something, not to learn about God, but to connect with God, that began to happen. I began to sense this, this connection with God. And I, I wanted to spend more and more time. I would encourage you, take the Bible that you use in your private devotions and put a post-it note on that. And on that post-it note, write a simple prayer. Something to the effect, God, I'm here right now to connect with you. And I have no other agenda than growing closer to you. And the other thing I began doing was setting my alarm clock 5, 10, 15 minutes earlier. It was very painless because it was just a little bit of time but you know what? When that became my new normal, I was anxious to set it 5, 10, 15 minutes earlier again and again and again because I was finding this relationship with God was really amazing. And I wanted to spend more and more and more time with the Lord. The other thing that would happen, and this, this really was totally unexpected, you know, when Satan tempts us, he kind of puts temptation out there and it looks all glittery and sparkly. And Temptation really has begun to lose its luster. And the reason is very simple. When I, when, when, and, and it's not always like this, but most of the time now, when Satan puts that temptation out there, I'm like, uh-uh, no way, I don't want that because that will interrupt my relationship with the Father. And this is way more important than that. 
whatever that is. If you're struggling with temptation, my advice, spend more time with the Lord just seeking His face. My experience, I think, can best be summed up in a real short video clip that I saw. I um, wish I could get a hold of that video clip. But it was a, an older man in his 60s, uh, looked mildly eccentric, had on a bow tie and a sport coat. But he said something I will never forget. He talked about his recent conversion. And he said, I begin reading the Bible. And it dawned on me. I was encountering the author. And it was somebody I already knew. Wow. That, I believe, is why God has given us His Word. That is why I believe God wants 110 million people that don't have one verse of Scripture in their heart language to have His Word. And that's why He wants every one of us to be in His Word. We get to be a part of people getting the Word of God in their heart language for the first time in history. You know what they say? Nine times out of ten, I think. First words out of their mouth is with a note of just amazement. God speaks Kimyal. And then it's always followed by a second phrase. God loves the Kimyal. That's what it communicates to people when they start getting the Word of God in their heart language. We're going to show you a short video clip of a people group getting the Word of God for the first time. This is one of our partner agencies. Some of my colleagues worked, have worked with the people that did this translation, and we just want you to experience a little bit what that looks like. pastor had said, it says in, in the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus is that Word, and Jesus is coming, and we need to be there to meet Him. Just blew me out of the water. I thought, Lord, this is how we know that it's you doing something here.
Andi Zamdubul Maria Bulana Sumnelang Tanggip Silam Naneong Naneong Wah Yesus Kristus Semiunaya Andi Leblur Barikat Nida Sungai Piri Dobokan Dari Saya Haribanidi Emiung Saya Memlub Nula Mabung Anda Nawabaya Masih Walam Nula Emiung Le Yuk Yuk Rab Yuk Yuk Rab Yuk Nang Nia Kapak Silam Nanda Andi Sambil Belum Dili Yuk Rab Kat Liri Emiung Tama Walu Lama Sambil Belum Hari Nengen Sumnelang Tanggalasa Naneong Sumnelang Tanggalasa And then they handed it off to the older believers and one of the ladies, just spontaneously, I don't think she, they had planned for her to say anything, but she just said, we have taken God's word, we've accepted it, we've put it into our hearts, and now we're going to give it to you young people who need to also take it and accept it and walk with God as he teaches in this Bible. You know, so they handed it off to the younger uh, believers and, uh, you know, the, the crying and the sobbing that took place there was just, it was something totally unexpected to me because I knew they would be happy. But the emotion that came out was just so overwhelming to me. I thought, we have no idea. You know, we have had the Word of God for so long. We have taken it for granted. We've, we, we have resources. We have translations. We have, you know, all these different things. And we don't, we don't cherish it. We don't realize what a precious gift we have and hold in our hands. And these guys were realizing that and saying, God, you've come to us through the Word. finish that clip in just a moment, but uh, I think you can sense the joy, the excitement, the passion that they are feeling. You know, the Bible gives us another angle on this whole idea of the Word of God being alive, um, and that is the parable of the sower. I'm an old farm boy, so this has always resonated with me. Um, in in uh, that parable, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus simply said that the seed is the Word of God. And we know seeds are alive, kind of in a dormant state. 
but they're very much alive. And that parable teaches us that there's four things that can happen to that seed. And we're not going to dig into this very deep. Of course, the first one is the seed can be sown and rejected. We've all seen that happen, unfortunately. People like, no, I'm not interested. I don't want to hear it. Second thing that can happen is it can sprout up. Like people are like, wow! And then persecution comes and they're like, no, I don't think that's quite what I want to do. The third thing that happens is that it can be (coughs) choked, right? Now, I misunderstood that one for years because in my mind, I always associated choking with dying. I'm a prime example of you can take the boy out of the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the boy. I've had some fabulous gardens in some crazy urban settings and cities and stuff, but my first attempt at a garden after I left the farm was horrible. Um, I was recently married, had no business trying to plant a garden, dug up the backyard, don't do that if you have a rental, and... um, I went out and planted corn, tomatoes, and green beans. I mean, it's kind of the staples of gardening, at least in my part of the world. And, um, well, I got busy, and the weeds took over, and I gave up. But, you know, towards the end of the summer, I went out and I pulled the weeds back, and lo and behold, my tomatoes were still alive. But what should have been beefsteak tomatoes, I couldn't have passed off as a decent cherry tomato. Why? Choke. Jesus is giving an analogy here to farming. And I think there's a very real lesson for many in the church today. Many that are maybe even where I was for a lot of years, not producing the fruit that God had intended because I was coming to God's Word to fulfill obligations, to study about God, but not to connect with the God of the universe that could be giving me direction and guidance in life. And I was missing out on that fourth kind of seed that produces an abundant harvest. Peter picked up on this theme. He said in 1 Peter 1.23, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding Word of God. James, the Lord's brother, also said in James chapter 1, verse 21, Therefore put away all the filthiness, and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's conclude that video now. That's the song that they are singing or chanting. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, 
be blessings and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. A very close friend of mine in college went to a people group not far from here, very similar to this people group. One night they were sitting around the campfire, looking up at the moon, and just kind of sharing their hearts as you do in those kinds of situations. And they asked my friend John, they said, John, is it, is it really true that America put a man on the moon? John said, yeah, that, that actually happened. I said, well, John, what did the women look like on the moon? And John said, guys, uh, there weren't any women on the moon. No women. Well, John, what did the fish look like on the moon? And John said, well, guys, there, there weren't any fish on the moon. There's not any water on the moon. Well, what, what'd you get? John said, well, I, I guess a bag of rocks. And they were like, rocks? You could have come here and gotten all the rocks you wanted. And then there was a long silence, and one of the men said, Hey, John, if, if America can put a man on the moon, why did it take the church so long to send someone to translate the Word of God into our language? Yeah, my friend really didn't have an answer for that one. Brothers and sisters, we we live in a day and age where we have more technology and tools to get this job done than ever before. As Pastor Matt said earlier, God is ramping this thing up. If I showed you the charts, you, you wouldn't believe it. The rate at which God has ramped this up, and there is no other explanation than the Spirit of God moving to bring it to fruition, it is phenomenal. But um, there, there are two resources that throttle the movement. One is human. And some of you sitting here today, if you feel God tugging you this way at all, you could be that last generation that walks across the finish line of having at least a New Testament in every language group. We think that's going to happen around 2050. Uh, all of them started around 2030 give or take a few years. So if God would be prompting you to do that, it would be an awesome thing to be a part of, let me tell you. I'm fortunate to be a part of it, and I just help the organization by coming and speaking in churches and sharing what's going on. Of course, the second resource that is throttling the organization is financial. And if this is something you want to be a part of, I know there are so many good missions and ministries and things you can be a part of. But if this is something that would be special to you, we would invite you. You had one of these postcards on your seat. Uh, we have a little event that we do every other year at, uh, in, in Rogers, and uh, we would love to have you come and be a part of it. It is a fundraiser. Um, don't want to disguise that. It is what it is. Um, but if, if this is something that you would like to become financially a part of and get behind and pray for routinely, uh, we would love to have you uh, become a part of this because you can do what the translator on the field can't do. And that's provide the financial resource to make this whole thing happen. Hey, it's been a pleasure to share with you this morning. If you forget everything else, this book is alive. 
It's God's invitation to you to connect with Him in a very, very powerful way. It takes time, but it will grow into the most awesome relationship you can ever imagine. Thank you very much.